0: Welcome to Gathering Christ. I'm Andrea Lindsay, and I'm here with Kendra George. And we are thrilled that President Nelson was able to pre-record his Christmas message. And we want to just diverge from our course on thinking celestial, but we won't stop thinking celestial because his. we'll just review a little bit of what he had to say to us to get us started.
1: At this sacred Christmas time. I pray that you will feel the deep, eternal love our Savior has for you personally. We revere the Babe of Bethlehem precisely because he later offered the incomprehensible, infinite sacrifice in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross of Calvary. No one on this earth loves you as much as he does. No one here is more eager for you to become everything you can become. Brothers and sisters, let us live in the spirit of hallelujah, ever praising the Lord God Jehovah. At this glorious Christmas season, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord.
0: So what's your thoughts, Kendra? I mean, this is great. Okay, I love that quote.
2: I love his talk. I loved everything about what he had to say. And the thing that came to mind when he was talking about this was, I just had a door in my head the whole time. What does it mean to adore Christ? And so I was looking up definitions and because I wanted an exact Definition of what adore means. And adore is simply a deeper love. It's a deeper respect. It's more than just the respect, it's the adoration, the deep, loving reverence that we have for the Savior. And so, the last few days, the last week, I've really been thinking about how am I worshiping? How am I loving? Um, my savior. And I've had a lot of things come to mind. But I want to I want to hear what your thoughts were, Andrea, first.
0: I have to tell you, I was so excited. I had people over when this happened. And it didn't matter that people were there. I threw my arms up in the air when I heard that he was going to speak. And I was like, yes. And I wasn't alone. Like my husband did the same thing. And I think the people with us were okay with it. You know, they're forgiving souls. But we were just thrilled because we know he isn't feeling good, yet he is relying on the strengthening, enabling power to fulfill his responsibilities, even injured. Sometimes it's interesting why the Lord heals some and shows us that we can keep working when we're not feeling well through others. You know, it's just like, we need to be sensitive to the spirit so i loved so much of what he said i loved the story of him reminiscing about growing up in the great depression and that the money was scarce and so they would sub for santa and just what a special experience that was uh, for them and money was tight but they still did those kinds of things and i think sacrifice is how we come to know him a little better, you know, sacrificing our comfort to make sure that the world hears from us. I'm grateful that he did that. You know, I love the prayer at the end where he is praying for us. And I love that he says that we'll have constant access to help to heal us. And this world has much that we need to heal from. And in our own personal struggles and struggles with family, like we need His grace and healing power every single day. And what a wonderful season to reflect on that, that power and that grace. And there's so much, I mean, I I wrote down so many things. I just was very thankful that he he was there. And this message just went straight to my heart. Yeah,
2: I agree. It, It was something that I think gave so much joy and hope at this time of year. And I think we always- feel a little more light at this time of year. And I think the key is how do we take that into January, into February, March, April, May, right? How do we keep that love and that hope and that joy of the savior? And are we able to adore him throughout the year? When you were talking, it reminded me of Alma in Alma 36. I believe, isn't it Alma with talking to Helaman and in verse 18 Alma says now as my mind caught hold upon this thought which was that Christ is the son of God to atone for the sins of the world i cried within my heart o jesus thou son of god have mercy on me who am in the gall of bitterness and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death and now behold when i thought this i could remember my pains no more Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. Yea, I say unto you, my son, that there couldn't be nothing so exquisite and so bitter as were my pains. Yea, and again, I say unto you, my son, that on the other hand, there can be nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. I love that, yes, we will experience pain, but it is through Christ that we experience the joy. It is coming and worshiping him and adoring him. I think of the shepherds. I think of the wise men, right? They left their fields and they hastened to see him. And I've been reflecting on that of, am I making the journey the wise men made? Am I hastening to see Christ, to have a relationship with him so that I can worship and adore him so that his atonement can have a living effect in my life and that I want it to be a part of my life. And I think, I think that's really important as we think about what President Nelson said. Do we believe what President Nelson said?
0: I also, as you're talking, think about It really is part of our culture to include him, but how do we really include him and not just become rote and repeated things that we do because we're culturally expected to do these things? Like, are we doing come follow me with real intent and feeling with our families? Are we praying to know the needs of our family members and that we'll be able to meet them through our lessons that we're working with. Are we reading our scriptures on our own and with our spouses to strengthen our relationships? Are we, you know, there's so many things that it can be just a habit or it can make a difference. And it all depends on the intent of our heart. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be enough to go through the motions and deal with the catastrophes that life presents us with. And it seems like those are increasing and becoming more difficult and a scripture that's been foundational for me. I believe it's still doctrinal mastery. Helaman 512. Did they keep that one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. In Helaman 512, of course, Helaman talking to his sons, he says, And now my sons, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all of his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is the sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. I am so grateful for the growth process. And I know that the Lord is building us line upon line. And I could recognize there was holes in my testimony of the Savior but i want to talk about i want to talk about gaining a testimony of the savior and it happened for me in kind of stages like i would hear people talk about the savior and it was easy for me to believe them because i could feel it you know mm-hmm. i could feel their testimony i could feel their strength and i could see what they had been through and so it was easy for me to apply that to other people but it really took exercising faith for my weakness, exercising faith, both for repentance purposes and for enabling purposes, that my relationship with the Savior completely changed. Mm. And it now I read this scripture and it's like, right. And it's not that Satan isn't sending his mighty winds. I feel those daily. But... I am so thankful that the winds don't change my stance. It doesn't change anything. It just is wind. Yeah, no, I agree.
2: I feel like I've had a pretty consistent testimony, but it's it's that acting in faith and really applying the atonement. I think for me, I don't know if I've had very many opportunities in my life growing up to really apply the atonement. It was that repentance. I need to repent. I need to, you know, but really applying the atonement, utilizing it for strength, really making it a part of who I am to help me have it just be the wind, right? That it didn't toss me to have it be that consistency. That has definitely been something I have had to practice over and over again. And doing those small and simple things, building that foundation has been key. One of the things that Elder Coke, an area 70, he talks about in December, 2019, he said that there's a few things that we can do to experience those feelings of the nativity and of Christmas to experience that rebirth of joy constantly through our lives. And he gave three suggestions. And I have found that these have helped me through my life. The first one is reading and pondering the Book of Mormon daily as I have, uh, obviously it has ebbed and flowed in my life. I have not been a perfect scripture reader, but I can tell you that those times that I have I have felt closer to the spirit. My knowledge and testimony and relationship with the Lord has increased and I have felt more confidence. Another thing he suggests is improving Sabbath day observance. When we are going and taking partaking of the sacrament every week and that weekly and daily repenting, renewing our baptismal covenants. I know there was a period of time. There was a long period of time where I was a single parent because my husband was in the military and I had three little kids, and going to church was miserable. And there were times where I thought, I just don't want to go because. It's hard and I don't get anything out of it. I'm in the foyer all during sacrament. And then I have little kids with me during Sunday school and relief society. And I wasn't getting anything out of it. And it was so tempting to just be like, eh, I can just stay home. It'd be a lot easier, but I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't stay home. I had to go For whatever reason it even if it was just going through the motions but i know i was blessed in my relationship with christ as a result of that um that that was a way i could worship him and show him that he was important to me even though i wasn't receiving didn't feel like i was receiving anything at the time from it hindsight obviously i i grew a lot from it and my faith grew as a result of my obedience the second the two other things he says is participating in temple work it is inevitable that as we actively and intentionally participate in temple work, that we will understand Christ, his mission, his doctrine, the covenants and the sacrifice, everything will expand and we will receive those blessings. And then the last thing he suggests is sharing the gospel with those, not of our faith. As we share the gospel with others, that also increases our strength and our testimony and our, the power that we have to do good and experience not only joy for ourselves, but joy for other people. So I really liked what he said in there of just very simple things that we can do to experience a rebirth of faith, hope, peace and joy in, in every moment of our life.
0: Yeah. The savior, he is the, the hope, the life, the light of the world. He is, the only one that we can obtain salvation from and exaltation. As I think about the times in my life where I felt him strongest, it's the worst times, you know, like mm-hmm. he's in the darkest moments with us. And I remember teaching the youth one time in seminary, you know, we were going through for the strength of youth and we were, we were reading different things about priesthood leaders and, and I read this line that was like, you know, if you've experienced abuse, you should um, seek priesthood help immediately, like priesthood leader help immediately. And I could recall times of abuse in my life. And I knew that I had not taken it to a priesthood leader. And I'm like, Oh, well, Here I am hypocritically saying this is a really good thing to do because I do believe everything the church teaches. And I had a strong testimony of it, but I needed to, like, make sure that I had done everything myself and that I had gone through and made it part of me because it comes across a lot better to the kids and more authentic if you've actually done it, you know, like... Mm you're not just teaching a theory, but you're teaching something you've done. And there's a difference in the feeling of it when you have faith to believe in it. And when you have actually been there and done it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I had a positive feeling about it, but I hadn't deepened that through my own faith. And I thought about it I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to talk about the abuses I've experienced. And, I mean, being a female in this world means you've been abused. I mean, I don't know anyone that hasn't. And so I I think, you know, statistically, they say statistics. And I'm like, yeah, those are the ones that will admit to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I think any innocent person is just going to take it, whether it's bullying or whatever, you know, the abuse is mental, physical, emotional, sexual, like whatever kind of abuse. There's a lot that we can feel. But there were a few times that I felt like, you know what, I need to I need to take this one. I don't feel completely healed. I remember discussing it. And honestly, all I had to do was say it. And it was like gone. It was gone. And I was like, this is incredible. and so of course then i want to tell everyone right that this is like you've got to do this this is amazing and because i work in an office where we're dealing with traumatic injury a lot and sometimes the traumatic injury is due to abuse and if they're lds or if they're members of the church the proper i i think can you still say lds i don't even know okay so like Um, But if they're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I take time to explain this spiritual principle because, yes, we can help with the physical abuse and we can help with even the, you know, just the imbalances that happen in the body because of the abuse. We We can get those regulated, but it's such a complicated healing process. And physical does help, but spiritual is like key to really getting to the core of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's required of members. I've I've seen it that they just can't heal unless they're going to the Savior because they have greater light. So there's greater expectations on them in order to maintain that light. So I talked to him and there have been more than one. That have gone into their priesthood leaders. And these are strong people. These are people that have been going to church for years after the abuse. They've never faltered, but they have also never healed. Yeah. And and so I I ask them if they've done it and they said no. And I show them where they need to do it and like the backup for it. And then I I'd tell them just go do it. It doesn't even matter if your priesthood leader doesn't know how to handle it because the mantle is all that's needed. Yeah. Like you just need a mantle. And one sweet lady, she just she told me of her experience and just how awesome it was that she felt a complete lift of things that she could not lift on her own. And and so when the prophet talked about healing, and mm-hmm. taking full advantage of repentance and all of that, because repenting is healing as well. Yeah. Like, are we holding on to things, bad ideas about ourselves, you know, like just injuries, whatever we're hanging on to, that's that's allowing the adversary an ounce of of ammo against us. We just need to get rid of it because as his whirlwinds increase, The love of God can also increase within us. So he can't touch us and living to be untouchable by the adversary is, wow, that's, that's living with the savior, you know, and I'm not saying you won't go through hard things. What, what would be the point of earth life if we're not going to still go through hard things, but we can do it with him and get through anything.
2: And that's a valid, like crucial point that president Nelson said in his talk that Christ is. Eager to help us become everything that we can become. He wants to help us. He wants us to depend on him. He wants us to turn to him. Christ knows everything about us. This morning in seminary, I'm sorry, you guys are going to get a lot of seminary. I feel like every time I'm doing, I I teach every morning. We before we record a podcast and inevitably my lesson coincides with what we're talking about. So I apologize, but I don't apologize. Um, (laughs) It's obviously spirit directed that um, these are always coinciding with each other. This morning in seminary, we were talking about revelation 12 and the war in heaven. And I gave the students the talk, uh, not the talk, the quote by president Monson. I believe it was 2018 uh, or 2017. And he says, learn from the past, plan for the future, and live in the present. And I asked them how it related to the plan of salvation. And Revelation 12 is all about the war in heaven. So I said, how can we learn from the past? What did we learn? There was a clip from Sister Nelson in the 2018 devotional, the hope of Israel devotional to the youth, right? And she said, if you could glimpse into the pre-existence for 10 minutes, what would you see? And we started this conversation of what would we have seen? And a lot of the, some of the kids were like, well, we can't really learn from the past. We don't remember it because of the veil of forgetfulness. And I was like, oh, but do we Do we not have any information? And that's exactly what Revelation 12 is about, is John's vision of the pre-existence and how we knew we had a testimony before we got here. Mm -hmm. We were fighting for our testimony. The war of heaven was a testimony of word, a war of words, right? We were fighting to keep that testimony. We knew that Christ, when he said, I will go down and I will atone for your sins. He hadn't done it yet, but we trusted him and we believed that he would do it. Right? So how do we learn from the past? Because we're here. And if we're here, that means we won the war in heaven. We won with our testimony over the power of Satan. So how come we can't do that here? We already did it once. That should give us confidence and power to know that we can do it again through our agency and through the atonement of Christ. Christ has already done it, He's already promised us. The other thing we learned from the past, from the pre existence, is we saw the end. We saw what life we knew when we came here, we were going to have trials. It wasn't going to be easy, there were going to be challenges. But we also saw the joy and the love and the peace through the atonement of Christ that we would receive as we went through. We saw ourselves becoming, I believe, right? We can live in the spirit of hallelujah here because of what happened in the pre-existence. And I don't know why I had never made that connection before but it has lit me on fire. I'm sure my seminary students thought I was some crazy person as I'm standing up in front of the class, like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is the most amazing thing ever. Understanding, like, President Monson's not kidding. You can learn from your past, learn from our pre existence that we were valiant spirits, that we chose Christ. And therefore, because we chose Christ in the pre existence, no matter what happens to us in our life here, living in the present, We can choose him again and we know how to do it because our spirits remember. And anytime we can live close to the spirit and feel the Holy Ghost, we will get glimpses of who we were in our premortal life to help us in our earthly life, in our present life now so that we can prepare and plan for that wonderful glory in the celestial kingdom. It was so exciting to me.
0: I loved it. Well, amen and hallelujah, sister. (laughs) I mean, that was well said. And your students are remarkably blessed to have you with them. As you were talking, I was reminded of this talk I stumbled upon in preparation for this podcast, But it is called What Think Ye of Christ, given in October 1988. So you have to go back a ways, people. Mm, You may mm. not have been born. Okay, so, but here is a talk given by now President Oaks, then a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. And he said, and he's quoting and talking about the atonement, which was prophesied and promised before. He quotes Isaiah saying, He was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, he was cut off out of the land of the living, from transgression of my people he was stricken. He bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And he's just gathering clips of these verses. These are not their verse the verses in entirety, but they're just right. brief packets of completely amazing revelation. At the beginning of the Savior's ministry, John the Baptist exclaimed, "Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world." At the end of his ministry as Jesus Blessed the cup and gave it to his disciples. He said, For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. As Latter day Saints partake of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we drink water in remembrance of his blood, which was shed for us. Now, he begins this talk with a story of a man who was applying for a scholarship. He was a member of our faith. And the scholarship was just for Christians. And both he and the university were a little unsure whether or not they were Christian. And he was shocked. President Oaks, then Elder Oaks, was shocked that anyone, a member of our faith, would be worried that they were Christian or not. And I think I personally felt less Christian on my mission. I know that may sound silly, but I feel like the way I was taught was very culturally accurate, but not necessarily faith-centered in the Savior Jesus Christ, which is really, truly unfortunate. And when he recognizes what happened, And he talks about it in this talk. He said, when I first heard of that event 30 years ago, I was shocked that anyone, especially a member of our church, would entertain any doubt, which they did say he was Christian after a formal, they had some theologians come in and say, okay, this man is a Christian, he can apply. Okay, so, but he's like looking at it going, what? (laughs) Okay, I have come to better understand that confusion. I think we sometimes thoughtlessly give others cause to wonder. And so how did this happen? He talks about a common practice when teaching law was to focus on not the basics, but everything that was outside of the basics. You know, I guess it was tantalizing as a teacher to, you know, teach the obscure. Mm -hmm. And he said, unfortunately, we do this in the church. And we leave people with questions on the things that matter most. So he says, I believe, and so that was me talking. Now this is him. I believe some of us sometimes do the same thing in the go- in gospel teaching. We neglect to teach and testify to simple, basic truths of paramount importance. This omission permits some members and non-members to get wrong ideas about our faith and belief. I definitely was like that. I definitely needed to repent and change from that attitude and get a more Christian understanding. When the prophet gave us the challenge to use talk about the savior more in our conversations, mm-hmm. to I was like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm being challenged by this. Like I feel challenged. That's not gonna be easy for me because my faith was very private. I kind of because I was teaching seminary, I had an open outlet all the time and church settings, no problem whatsoever. But in my conversations with friends of other faiths, I'm supposed to talk about him more frequently. I get it, but wow, I'm going to have to change. Like I'm going to have to repent. I have not been doing that. And mm. and I'm very thankful that he brought that up because I think I sound a little more Christian now. <laughs> You know, if we don't talk about him, how do we appear Christian? It's, it's
2: true. And, you know, I grew up in Utah and so there wasn't a lot of needed opportunity for me to talk about Christ all the time. I mean, we did, but all of my friends were members of the church. I didn't have a lot of associations with people that were Christian members of the church that had different beliefs than I did. and so in a, in a sense, I had kind of that same experience. And then living in Washington state, I have had multiple opportunities and it, and, and in my community that I live in now, it is a very Christian community. We have a lot of very active Christian members going to their faith regularly. And, and it is so wonderful because I can be at a wrestling match and we're talking about the gospel and we're talking about how we're seeing the Lord's hand in our lives. And we're talking about, and I mean, it is just, I'm able to talk about my son's mission and what he's doing and they're wanting to know what he's doing and how cool it is. And so many people I've talked with have done mission trips, right? For their churches and humanitarian, and it's just bringing it all in that it is this, wonderful opportunity to constantly be worshiping and adoring the savior in our words and our deeds. And and it causes me to make sure that like, I'm reflecting a lot on, am I being an example of the believers? Am I being that light so that when we have these conversations of Christ, I am adding to what they already know, helping them feel more truth, you know, things that maybe they hadn't heard before, just in my talking about it all the time. And I think that is so important. It's such a good opportunity, but it does take practice, right? Yeah. If we're not used to it, that culturally, like, I was so bad at it when I first moved here. I'm like, I don't know how to talk to these people. My husband, we'd go to a work party and nobody there believed the same thing as we did. And I, that's all I knew how to talk. That's all the conversation I really knew. I mean, I could have normal, I served a mission, right? Like I can have normal conversations, but I love talking about the gospel. And that's really hard when you're trying to make conversation with people and you like, can't feel like you can't bring that in to the conversation, it can make it really difficult, but I've practiced and I've gotten better and I love it now. I feel so comfortable being able to talk about Christ in any situation that it's, I feel like it has really strengthened my testimony of how Christ really is integrated in our lives so much. And we just have to allow him to be there and he will help us in, in every aspect really quick. I wanted to, when you were talking going back before sister Burton of the general relief society presidency in the 2015 Christmas devotional, She said this, and I thought this was really something to think about. She said, I have often wondered how people can live without the hope that comes from understanding the plan of salvation and the central role of the savior's atonement in that plan. I gratefully add my testimony to that of our beloved prophet, president Thomas S Monson, who powerfully testified of him who delivered each of us from endless death, even Jesus Christ. I testify that he is a teacher of truth, but he is more than a teacher He is the exemplar of the perfect life, but he is more than an exemplar. He is the great physician, but he is more than a physician. He who rescued the lost battalion of mankind is the literal savior of the world, the son of God, the prince of peace, the holy one of Israel, even the risen Lord who declared I am the first and the last. I am he who liveth. I am he who is slain. I am your advocate with the father. She says, as we can cons- consider his incomprehensible suffering for us, surely among the saddest five words our Savior ever uttered were these, will ye also go away? When times are difficult, we can make the choice to turn away from him and struggle through our afflictions alone, or we can make the choice to turn to him and the Father's plan, finding that we will suffer no manner of afflictions, save it we're swallowed up in the joy of Christ. I love that as we turn to Christ, No matter what the affliction, we can be swallowed up in the joy of Christ. And as we talk about him, as we worship him and adore him in in everything that we do, we are making that more and more possible for ourselves and give ourselves more and more confidence that he really is there for us. And he really does want the best for us. And he wants us to become
0: the people that he knows we can become. Nothing is more powerful to become who we need to become than keeping the commandments, because keeping the commandments will keep us free of the adversary's power. It will also give us the spirit of the Lord. And we can only discover our true identity through that. As you're talking about having experiences to kind of wake up our spirits you know, that our spirits did know everything. We'd just forgotten. And I remember talking, was I with you when we were talking to that man that was a philosophical atheist and a practical agnostic? Was it you? Oh,
2: um, it sounds. Okay. It could be. I, my memory is terrible. You know this. Okay. I, I so we were remember. in
0: the Hoosick Falls. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. I okay, yep. okay, okay. And we ha- went over to talk to this man which proclaimed that he was a philosophical atheist and a practical agnostic and I didn't even know what that meant like now I now I do but I was really young and I remember just praying to know what to say and then I I stopped him from talking he was so out of line and and just in some of the things that he was saying. And I know he was just expressing in, in arrogance, expressing, you know, his position. And yeah. I just put my hand up to stop him from talking because he wouldn't let us get a word in edgewise. And I think we had listened for a fair amount of time before this happened. Yeah. Yeah. But I was praying really hard. And I said, listen, I know that God lives and so do you. You've only forgotten. Now, if you're if you'll just excuse us, we have people that want to listen to us. (laughs) Yeah. And do you remember that? And we left, and then he would like walk on the opposite side of the street. He was not happy to see us after that, you know, like, but I went home petrified because I told him something that I didn't know intellectually. But I just said something inspired by the spirit that you know this, but you've only forgotten it. And I don't know why I hadn't clicked yet in my head about the plan of salvation, the veil, and how I could say with such confidence, you know, this too, you know, because at the time he didn't, but his spirit completely did know that all of that was true. And when I said it, I mean, I said it, and then I walked out and, and his wife called and said, I think you got to him. He hasn't spoken for a little while. <laughs> no. But I mean, we can be stubborn. We can be stubborn in our, in our in our thinking and shut out the greatest blessings of this life. And he is the greatest blessing of this life. Living with him means being able to heal from even crippling tragedies and devastating, shattering experiences. He is the healer. We do not have to walk around broken and shattered. No, he will heal us and he will change us. It can be an incredible life. Um, I just, I have had plenty that I've needed to change in the way that I'm thinking and my mindsets have had to adjust. But what allows that is a constant flow of revelation You know, we have to be seeking it out. And it's so easy to get right now. Like we can, we have the best of trainings from all the apostles, prophets, you know, we carry it on our phones in the gospel library. If you actually had to physically recreate what is available on the gospel library, I don't think you could, like, Mm. Imagine how big of a room you'd have to put that in. Like that is yeah. a lot of material and we have it at the touch of a button. We can just go in there. We can, we can just delve into the topics that we need to heal in our lives and, yeah. and allow the word of God to heal us. It truly does change things.
2: It really does. And that perspective, I don't know. I mean, maybe we use the veil of forgetfulness as an excuse. Like, I can't remember, right? I don't know what happened. Just like my students said this morning, like, well, how would we know? And just reaffirmed the importance of the spirit to me this morning as we were talking about it and just the excitement. The Lord has given us everything, everything. This is not a test that he wants us to fail. He has given us everything with revelation of knowledge of the pre. I mean, how lucky are we that we have accounts in Abraham, in revelation of the war in heaven and Genesis, right? Like we are not left alone in our knowledge of what we need in order to make it through this life. And this morning after seminary, I just, I felt so on fire with, more confidence and more surety and my testimony growing even more of the savior that I can do this.
1: Mm.
2: I can get through this life. And it is because of the savior. It is because of the knowledge that the Lord has given us through prophets and apostles. This is, it's amazing. And I am so, so grateful for the knowledge that we have. I mean, how blessed are we to have the knowledge? How mm. many people don't have this knowledge and, and therefore how much, how is it important for us to go and to teach and to bring people to us? Elder Corbett, I had played a quote from him this morning. um, And it was so, so good. He talked about, okay, so your mom promises you that when you get home from school You are going to have your favorite dish. And so you go throughout the day and you just, you just keep in mind that there's this favorite dish, you know, that she's going to follow through because your mom always says what she's going to do. Right. You know. And so during the day you have like stuff happen, but you still keep thinking about that dish. You keep still, you still think about how, and you're telling everybody about it at school. Like, I'm going to have my favorite dish tonight my mom's going to make it for me and he just related that to the plan of salvation and to that god keeps his promises just like your parents will keep their promises that they've promised you something hopefully parents are keeping their promises i know i'm one that hasn't been great on follow through but i try i try i'm not i'm not god though so i'm not perfect and i am trying but are we that excited about the gospel and i'm sure my seminary students think i'm crazy But it gets me so excited when you just see what every, I mean, not only did Christ come, but he set the perfect example for us and it's recorded. We've got the whole new Testament. This year has been full. If you are getting to the end of this year and you don't know Christ better, I am so sorry. (laughs) Like go back and read it, go through because We should be closer to the Savior, especially after the end of this year, by learning about His miracles, learning about His life. He set the divine blueprint for us, and it's written down. We have it. We don't have to guess. Like, I just, anyway, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love it so much because we are not left to do this by ourselves. Christ is the answer, and we have everything we need. And if we just Put ourselves in places where we can feel the spirit. We will get those glimpses of our true identity. We will get those glimpses of what it was before. Our spirits will connect because the Holy Ghost speaks the truth. Liest not, right? It speaks of things as they were, as they are, and as they will be. It's awesome.
0: It is. And we're not alone. And the Savior isn't doing this work alone. There are angels. That are at the ready, but they have to act when invited through our prayers, using our agency and initiating them coming to minister to those that we are worried about. We can pray angels into the lives of our loved ones.
2: Okay. So I think in to wrap up today, we just really want you listeners to come to adore the savior. How are you worshiping him in your life on a daily basis? Not just during the Christmas season. I know right now the church has so many opportunities, um, if you go to lighttheworld.org there are some fantastic opportunities for you to worship the savior. Um they have a really cool generator, service generator. I love it. We'll put the link in the in the show notes. Um but it's lighttheworld.org and you can you can click the button and it will generate a service where it will say you will serve, you will do bake uh, write a letter to a neighbor for, um, or write a letter for a neighbor by 2 PM. And it gives three different sections. It's so fun that you can just sit and generate all these different kinds of service opportunities. So there's so many things that we can do, um, this time of year, especially, but Mike, our question to you would be, how are you going to adore Christ after? How are you going to implement the atonement and your relationship with him into your lives on a daily basis? We are doing so much better than we think. And I will say that at the end of every podcast, because we need that reminder that Christ is the answer. We are doing much better than we think, and we can keep going and keep trying because he's got us. He's got our back and we've known it since the pre-existence. So we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season and remember what president Nelson said to sing hallelujah and come and adore our savior, Jesus Christ. We'll see you guys next time.